0: Assalamu alaikum, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to another episode of the Remastered Podcast hosted by me, your brother, Abdullah Freeman. And we're here joined with our very special guest, Sister Jinan Shahada. Sister Jinan, alaykum. assalamu alaikum.
1: Assalamu alaikum, everyone.
0: So, guys, we're back for the Remastered episode. Um, just So, just to introduce you guys to Sister Jinan, Sister Jinan is a, uh, an attorney and recent graduate of Georgetown Law. At Georgetown Law, she was the co-founder and co-president of Law Students of Justice in Palestine. Janine is also the co-founder and previous chair of SJP Chicago. She was uh, studied public policy and Arabic at DePaul University, where she also was president of SJP DePaul. She worked uh, with the Justice Rights Division and also the ACLU, which I found out what that means recently. And she's also <laughs> the founder of Hearts for Humanity, a national youth-led campaign. Has raised over a million dollars for humanitarian uh, causes. And she's also a board member of AMP, American Muslims for Palestine, and an advisor for SJP Chicago. So, Sister Janan, with the resume, As-salamu alaykum. How you doing?
1: Asalaamu Alaikum, Asalaamu Alaikum, thank you so much for having me.
0: Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. So, you know, today, also, before we begin, uh, i just like to say for any humanitarian causes out there, please, brothers and sisters, you guys, please donate um, to Palestine sudan congo all the different causes happening around the world right now the yes. people desperately need it alhamdulillah we're in a position where we're safe we don't have to worry about too much let's help those who are in uh need a reminder to myself first and foremost before i tell people um so sister janat we're here to talk about um is free really free you know so for those wondering why we have the sister on uh episode today why she's a guest alhamdulillah Sister Janan did what most of us did, right? Go to school, work hard, graduate. Graduated with one of the uh, the sahih careers of doctor, lawyer, engineer. Maybe computer science might be getting up there now, you know? I think <laughs> yeah. Families are starting to see the money in tech. And <laughs> like, okay, this is good, right? But Alhamdulillah, she's one of those careers. And before she could start her dream job, what she worked hard for, she had to let it go or it let her go. But that's what we had to talk about. So, Sis 9 yes. before we get into the crux itself, please give us a little bit of the background before, like, your story. Because, you know, you have a story that led up to that point, right, of getting this job. It wasn't yeah, just you course. dropped to the earth, you, Joaquin Salah, and then, okay, boom, I'm, like, about to work at law school. No, it's, like, I have a story. So give us a little bit of your story before you got to the position of being a lawyer.
1: Yeah, of course. And again, I really like this question because I think a lot of the times when I'm asked questions about what happened, I just dive right in, but nobody really gets the backstory of who I am and just how I got here. Um, so again, my name is Junan. I was born and raised in Chicago, specifically Little Palestine. And what probably many of the viewers... Palestine. Shout out Little Palestine. Uh, but I actually was like born into the mass world. Um, so I, I attended my first Usra when I was like, five years old until like high school and college even hearts for humanity the national campaign that i started was with mass like it was under the Mass um umbrella and it was actually started at aim which is as we know is the annual youth meeting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and anybody that's born in little palestine or has grown up in chicago knows that you grew up in a very highly politicized environment i think one of my first memories like ever as a kid was actually attending an anti-war iraq protest and I was like three or four years old. So it just again reflects that I, I again, when people ask me, like, how did you get started on this and organizing? For a lot of us in not only in Chicago, but across the United States, we were kind of born into this reality. Mm-hmm. We didn't choose like to be part of the organizing space or to be advocating or starting these campaigns. It was kind of we organize like we live and breathe or like we advocate like we live and breathe because we know that this is not a choice, but a necessity for a lot of us. Um, and again, even my parents like uh, struggling with the immigration system. Um, I also have like health issues, so I saw like the brunt of the injustice in the healthcare field. I just saw different fronts of honestly like like the injustice in the U.S. and even on the south side of Chicago. So I knew that from a very young age, this is not something that I needed to accept, but we needed to change as a generation. So that kind of brought me to like working within Mass, working within AMP, uh, founding SJP DePaul. Um, I'm sorry, finding SJP Chicago, being president of SJP DePaul, founding even Georgetown um, Law's SJP. So at every space, I just tried to, like, create change where I could. Um, So that kind of brought me here um, to what we'll talk about today.
0: Mashallah, mashallah. Now, you know, I asked you this question before, but, you know, I asked it again, you know. Most sisters, when they find themselves in these positions, they're like, usually they're supporting the cause. And this is not i hope i don't get like bash for sounding like i'm being uh against the sisters i'm with the sisters mashallah alhamdulillah the sisters, <laughs> right but you were in like leadership positions like at the forefronts you know and very few people right let alone our sisters in islam uh are at the forefront of a lot of these things you know of course you see the support but i mean like at the forefront forefront yeah, so what like yeah. led you to this what led you instead of being like I could just be a lawyer and just enjoy and just trips, yeah. and you know, like uh, for anybody. Just but what, what that led paycheck. you to that? You know,
1: that's a good question. Um, and honestly, I didn't realize like how much I was on leadership positions until you read my resume. And I was like, oh, shoot, I guess. I, I, I felt bad. Life. I
0: was like, have I ever led anything? I Oh, subhanAllah, mashallah. Yeah, but
1: I think, again, that's a good question. It gets me thinking and it takes me back to, I think, even before um, all this happened with my employment and a lot of the time, like people in my community, a lot of people just outside come up to me and say like, you know, you're in the legal field now, you're in law school, you need to like keep your head down. And for those who know the legal field is one of the most anti-Palestinian fields, I think out there, it's like literally entrenched in the Zionist propaganda agenda. And it was created exactly to keep our people down. When it comes to law in these environments, like they're the most untouchable areas. So, when I went to Georgetown Law and when I entered these different spaces and even went to Foley and Laudner, um, I was told just to keep my head down, you know, to wait until I'm strong to speak up. And this is something I kept on hearing like, we need you strong, like, just keep your head down until you're strong. And for me, I was just like, I don't really know what that means. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I think, um, again, we're a post 911 generation we saw our parents, like what they had to go through and kind of had to like, I think, hide in their own communities and enclaves. And mashallah, they did what they had to do to survive, to bring us here. But we are realizing like, what has this country really done for us? What has hiding ever done for us? Um, so this is a reality I, I knew from a very young age that staying silent, climbing the ladder, as they say in America, I don't know, hasn't really brought us anything. And I just keep on thinking about like, yeah, like it's important for us to get in these careers and get these jobs. But at what cost? Like truly at what cost? And I think this is what we're witnessing now more than ever of like an awakening of people um that realize that like it the time is now or never, really. Like mm-hmm. selling your I guess your values, your your dreams, you're just like why you went to all of these areas at the end of the day it's going to be at the cost of our people. So um and even I think when I take it back to like founding Georgetown Laws SJP. I founded Georgetown Laws SJP during the 2021 on siege on Gaza. And when that was happening, we didn't have an organizing body. We didn't really know what to do. It was very hectic. And at that moment, I realized the importance of having an organizing body at every campus, at every community. Um, So why like staying behind the scenes? I think there's a place for everyone. But I think for me, I just tried to answer the call wherever Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala put me. Whether that was in Chicago, whether that was in DC, I truly never realized that this was me like putting myself out there, but just trying to be active and vocal for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for the sake of our people because truly we're at a moment where we can no longer afford to be passive about our condition. We need to be like stronger, bolder, more courageous about our, our outspokenness and our activism because this is what the moment demands of us. Uh, we've been here for decades and I think like the stronger we are, and the more we push back, the more vocal we are, the more power influence we have.
0: You know, it's it's interesting you bring up that point about uh the generation before us, our parents' generation, right? And you know, mm-hmm. I'm I remember 9-11, right? I remember it, but yeah. not like they remember. I remember the day it happened and my mom like being like worried, right? But the aftermath of what happened, like you know, for us our lives didn't really change post 9-11, at least in the day to day interactions. You go to, I was in elementary school, right? You just go, you play, you do whatever with your life. It's like, okay, fine. But, you know, my mentor was explaining to me, you know, that generation went through a lot of apologizing, a Mm -hmm. lot of, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, we're not like this. No, Muslim. mean, we like this, like that. Like a lot of, I won't say acquiescing, but just very, you know, like they were contained, you know, they couldn't be very expressive in their Islam or they could, but you, you just would you would take precaution yeah. right just exactly. because of the the climate how the, the society wasn't the way the media framed it how how could you not right like they made it seem like oh the muslims went and like attacked and did this damage you know so the thing that like also to add to that uh about the um our generation right like we're I guess there's a question also that just kind of hit me, right? You're Lebanese and Moroccan. So, how did yes. you really get kind of like tied to this, you know, to this cause, yeah. you know? Because, like, mm-hmm. you aren't old enough to say, oh, yeah, this is Biladi Sham. Like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm from this. Like, you're like, okay, Lebanese. We grew up with these secular, like, identities. And also, you're from Morocco as well. Shout out Couscous and Ashraf Hakeemia. <laughs> dar- you know what I mean? But how did you get involved with this?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think going to your first, first point and that honestly goes back to, um, I think, this whole idea, right, is that in this post-9-11 environment, like, our parents kind of, it's this trauma response of apologizing and, like, being secluded in our own communities, locking our door. Um, I grew up on stories of, like, not only stories, but my reality of there are mobs coming towards our masjid, like, post-9-11. Wow. Like, we are on lockdown for weeks at a time, wow. like, when I was two, three, four years old. Um, wow. So this was... Again, trauma response of our parents. And when you say
0: lockdown, like nobody could like get in, nobody could leave out. Like, what yeah, you, mean you, you couldn't
1: leave your house because there were literally armed mobs outside. Wow. The masjid was receiving bomb threats like all the time. Like like Bridgeview, little Palestine was a very dangerous environment. And again, that led to our parents kind of secluding themselves and apologizing in this same mm-hmm. rhetoric that we're hearing of like, keep your head down and get that mm-hmm. job, be a lawyer, a doctor, get the money, have a family, like, just that constant like process, you know what I mean, that zombie mode process, which is honestly, it's great. Like, yes, we need to get stronger in this community. But I think as a generation, we've woken up to like, we have other options. Like we have a right to be here. We don't have to be apologizing. We don't have to like keep quiet, like behind closed doors. We can actively contribute and actively fight back. And that was, alhamdulillah, that was a gift that our parents gave us, right? To protect us and allow us to realize that. And then, I think going to your second point of like, why, how did I get involved in this? Subhanallah, I didn't realize like that this wasn't like my fight until like the past two year or two. Because growing up in little Palestine, like subhanallah, it was just everybody from like Yemeni to like, you know, Nigerian to like Lebanese, to Moroccans. We all knew that this was collective, our fight that anything that affected our neighbor was our fight as well like wallahi i mean it when i say i did not differentiate myself from the palestinian people so. and not in like a geopolitical way of like yes men has a stake in here like our land is being taken as well being attacked mm-hmm. like my family has stake in this and they are right now at risk but mm-hmm. like truly it was it was like an umma you know um mm-hmm. we were raised symbolically of whatever my neighbor was going through this was my fight too um this we just literally never separated ourselves and i never questioned why i was in this movement until actually like a few years ago and people asked me like oh you're not palestinian i was like oh i guess you're right like i'm not palestinian but more than like bilad al sham and of course we know bilad al sham it's always these borders that have been drawn it's so interesting that we make these borders but they've been drawn by our colonizers less than 100 years ago so why do we give them so much validity? That's a whole nother conversation. But more than that, as Muslims, like why are we creating boundaries of who's involved and who's not when this entire rhetoric conversation only aids our oppressors? That in the Prophet's time, in Salahuddin Ayyubi's time, even in like our parents' generation's time and in our, in our ancestors' time, they did not differentiate where we drew the boundaries of who cannot be involved in this cause or not because they knew that this was bigger than us. And that's what gave them power, right? Mm. Um, so I think why I'm involved, this is something that's embedded in my identity and I will always consider like the land of Palestine, all our land is very sacred and requires all of us um, to rise up and stand against.
0: MashaAllah. You know, just to add really quick, you know, it reminds me like it, it's very, SubhanAllah, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is, the way he works is SubhanAllah because You know, a lot of the conflicts these, our oppressors have created to divide us, to cause controversy and force us to have, like our countries have had massive uh, uh, brain drains, right? Mm -hmm. And then people come over here looking for a better life because of the conflicts caused by these colonial powers, right? Then here, the people have children. And then the children, even though they are the descendants of a different place, we are still technically Americans, Right. Mm-hmm. And in being Americans, we take the American identity and persona of, well, no, let me stand for what I believe in. I'm not going to be quiet about that. You can't stop me, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's just interesting to look at that parallel as you bring it up. Exactly. But before we get into a deeper thing of parallels and that, we're going to get some more of that. Because I also do want to talk to you about uh, what's going on currently and Loop 9 as well. But please, Sister Janine, let's get to the story now. So now yes. you finished school, you graduated alhamdulillah you're happy how did you feel after you passed the uh uh, the LSAT
1: the bar you mean or the LSAT the bar yeah yeah, the the bar bar.
0: yeah that
1: was alhamdulillah the most that was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I thought (laughs) I did not think I passed that so that news Mm, I was like I can die happy Allah
0: (laughs) (laughs) so you're at the top you're feeling great mashallah everything is good you passed your mind is free your mind is clear you get this job so how did they offer you the job? Was it like they came to you? You applied. How, what was that process like?
1: Yes, yeah. So I applied actually my one L summer. So I think people. Mm. I think this is something that people don't realize. Again, these are all great questions. But I got this job at Foley and Lardner two years ago. So I applied oh, my one L oh summer. summer. I did a summer there, um, and that's like usually how it works for like big law firms. You do a summer there, and if they like your work, if they like you, and like your your work ethic, um, and um, just generally. They will offer you um a contract. So at the end of my summer to year, so this was 2022, I was offered um a contract to come and work full time upon graduation and when I passed the bar. So alhamdulillah, I uh, graduated. I passed the bar. I signed all the contracts to become an official employee. I even got an apartment right next to the office of Foley and Laudner. Um, I took out like advance. I relied on it financially and materially for my family. Um. And yes, that's when everything began.
0: Subhanallah. So they hire you. You're happy now still. Everything's on a high. You get the apartment. Your family's happy for you. Alhamdulillah. So now let's walk into the 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 situation. Was this something where it was over a period of time you got weird vibes? Or was this something no. initially they just dropped on you like, right, hey, salam no. alaikum You have to leave.
1: Basically. So again, wow. I think you're setting the scene very right of like, I have literally reached like alhamdulillah, like my dreams, my parents' dreams for me. I'm going to provide for my family. I'm going to be doing work that I came, you know, into law school for and stuff like that. Um, and then obviously October 7th comes. And everybody who's been involved in Palestinian organizing knows what October 7th meant. Um, not only like as obviously like 75 years of ethnic cleansing and occupation, what does that mean? But also we knew the devastation that was about to come to Gaza. We knew that like we have to get ahead of this because the devastation that Gaza is about to meet right now will be unprecedented. So we begin that, I begin organizing, Not I hate to say begin, but we continue organizing with our community. Everybody rises up to meet the moment, right? Uh, we're contacting people, going back and forth. I actually at City Hall, I think it was October 13th, they were passing an anti-palestinian resolution by alderman silverstein condemning like um what's going on in palestine um standing against israel like the type of rhetoric that we were seeing everywhere right and i remember those two weeks were like so devastating because like you saw almost every organization every firm every employment literally my my sisters um her daughter's preschool came out with a letter supporting israel so we're talking about like montessori pre- pre-k-3 schools two firms two governments two like nationals all coming out in support of israel and then we as like arabs uh, as also palestinians have been going through this ethnic cleansing for 75 years nobody has said anything so you're dealing with that like I guess that devastation you're also dealing with like you have to take action now because you know what's about to come Mm -hmm. so i went to city hall i spoke in the public comments as is my first amendment right for three minutes condemning the resolution as anti-palestinian entirely one-sided that it has Mm -hmm. no historical context Mm -hmm. also that makes no mention of the fact that palestinians even in the geneva convention article 36 have a right to resist their occupiers and any occupied people have a right to resist their occupiers. And that what makes no mention again, that Gaza is an open air prison and -hmm. that there are 2 million people that have been besieged for the last 14 years, that 95% of the water is under undrinkable, 85% of the people are under the poverty line. So going all these statistics and facts to um, city hall, right? I do that. I'm also leading the protests in Chicago, leading a lot of the organizing fronts. And then I get a call on October 21st. I was actually on my way to one of the biggest protests we've ever had in Chicago. We had 35,000 to 40,000 people in the streets shut down Chicago. I was on my way. I received a call from the head managing partner of Chicago saying, "Um, we have been seeing everything that you've been doing. We need you to come into the office tomorrow at 1 p.m. for a meeting. So mind you, tomorrow to set the scene would be a Sunday. I My official start date is supposed to be that Monday. So I obviously, I'm, my heart starts beating.
0: Mm-hmm. I know
1: like what they're about to call me in for. So I was like, okay, I'll see you 1 p.m. tomorrow. So I go into the uh, meeting the next day at 1 p.m. And mind you, I knew I didn't do anything wrong. This is me standing up for Palestinian rights, mm-hmm. standing up for my community, fighting against mm-hmm. ethnic cleansing. I actually just wanted to use it as a teaching moment so i walk into the meeting and unfortunately from the beginning i knew that they did not have that same mentality um right when we sat down actually i found out later it was the two head partners of foley and laudner Mm -hmm. um again these are like big big partners i'm pretty sure some of them probably flew in for this meeting Um, and as soon as we sat down they pulled out a packet about fifteen to twenty pages that had screenshots of all my social media posts about Palestine, screenshots of my speeches that I've made for Palestine, all my organizing, all my background, everything, right? And they made me go through it line by line. Um, they asked me like about my background with SJP Chicago, asked me about my background with with AMP, with um, LSJP, with different organizations, right? Um, they asked me about my social media posts related to Palestine. They even asked me about my father and where he works, uh, what position he has. And for context, my father works for the Mass Foundation in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So it's very like kind of like digging into my identity as a Muslim woman in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So they framed my advocacy for Palestine as supporting terrorism, which, as we know, is a racist smear with Uh no factual backing. And it's also, I think, important to mention that I am the only muslim arab visibly muslim arab woman in the entire law firm in chicago and i am one of two in the law firm nationwide and foley and laudner is uh, one of the biggest law firms as we know it has thousands and thousands of attorneys so for me to be singled out as one of the only visibly muslim arab uh women associates in the entire chicago firm is extremely problematic as we know Um, And this is also even more problematic because, as we know, this is a double standard. Mm -hmm. There are other attorneys at the firm that literally advocated for Israeli violence, that stood for Israel, that posted about Israel publicly and advocated for Israeli violence. They were not called into a meeting and they were not eventually terminated. Um, So long story short, um, at the end of the meeting, uh, they basically said that we're going to be meet with leadership and we're going to discuss like your, your, your employment. And I received a call later that night saying that they terminate, they're going to terminate my employment because they viewed my actions as supporting terrorism.
0: Wow. Subhanallah. Wow. So just like that, just just like like that, that, just like right so they said they were having the meeting and it was like later that night they said how long was that meeting for you to go through line by line like it sounds like almost like you were auditioning for like a a, a film yeah. or something
1: yeah it was uh it was like a couple hours and literally it was as if it was in an interrogation they would show me um the like the paper that they were referring to and take it back and then be like answer the question you're not answering the question even asked me to like condemn hamas as if i was on like piers morgan or something It was actually hilarious i was like y'all don't
0: are i don't even say that guy's name that guy
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow so each time they would just every time they would bring up did they bring up uh what was if you can remember what was you say the most like outlandish thing they asked you during that whole process something you're like what does that even have to do with anything
1: yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, so much. Um, Again, asking about my dad and where he works was very outlandish. And I was like, what does this have to do with anything? Mm-hmm. And then they also asked me why um I didn't put like SJP on my resume. They asked me about like SJP Chicago's recent posts. Mm-hmm. And they're like, SJP Chicago is supporting terrorism. You're the founder of SJP Chicago. What do you say about that and stuff? And I was just like, if SJP is a terrorist organization, then there are hundreds of thousands because SJP mm-hmm. Chicago again is an organization known for nonviolent discourse. There are hundreds of thousands of SJPs around the country in different campuses. So for them to equate student organizing work work with terrorism is extremely problematic. And it's reminiscent of what they did to the Black Panther parties, other mm-hmm. movements, right? It's building this rhetoric of the other, right? Mm-hmm. Punishing people for being outspoken about Palestine. Um, and attempting to purge them from law firms, from campuses, from media. That's McCarthyism. We've seen it in history. It happened in the McCarthyism era. It happened in the Black Panther era. It's the same rhetoric. Taking people and framing them as the other and a domestic threat is literally like textbook 101 FBI, like, um, again, mechanisms. It's why, like, every person that speaks out for Palestine is labeled as a terrorist because it's intended to show them as the other that they are not welcome in this country, and that they are a threat. Um, So it's just very interesting that these same tactics are being used against me and other organizations as well.
0: Subhanallah. This is still, like, to hear that, like, you know, they would take the time for people to call you into office and then show you all of these screenshots to you specifically, just to say, I mean— alhamdulillah they didn't waste your time and let you work there for a little bit and then try to do something to smear you you know because some companies yeah. they try to do that right they'll they'll set you up to make you look bad so where they can hurt your career long term alhamdulillah allah protected you from that but still it's like
1: alhamdulillah.
0: subhanallah like what? so in that so after that happens right what was the first thing that went through your head that night walk us through that night after they said okay yeah khalas, yeah it's again done.
1: Yeah. Again, this was the night before I was literally like steaming my blazer for like my first day of work and then, like, all of this happened.
0: Allah.
1: I think it obviously was, it was very difficult um, because I was relying on it for so many different reasons. And in that meeting, they made me feel so small and alone and like made me feel so guilty for something that I didn't even do wrong. And again, with every question, they just made me feel smaller and smaller. So I remember I made I went home and I was like crying and I was stayed in bed and I was just crying. And then my dad came in and he was like, and for, for reference, I'm not a crier. Like I'm really not an emotional person. So my dad came into my room and he was confused. He's like, like yeah, but what's wrong? Like, why are you crying? Like, this doesn't mean anything. And I remember telling my dad, I was like, Baba, I'm not crying for the job. Like فعل, I'm I'm crying because I'm tired of fighting. Because again, in that moment, I knew that I would have to fight back. I knew what this meant. And it was just, I just felt so defeated and small. And it was, this was after weeks of fighting media, fighting in the streets, yeah. like fighting these different organizations and firms on different years. Uh, Yeah, years, really years, years, years of me organizing and fighting. And I was just like, Baba, I'm just tired of fighting. Like I can't do it anymore. And he, I remember he sat next to me and he told me like, Baba, this is the dunya. Like this is the fight, you know what I mean? And he just reminded me that, subhanAllah, of that ayah that, did you expect to be let into Jannah without being tested with with your values, with your money, with, like, your income? And this is the reality of that. Like, this was a culmination of everything and being tested again. And in that moment, subhanAllah, like, I snapped out of it, and I'm like, no, you're right. <laughs> and, um, and I think another ayah that, like, came to mind in that moment, and even when I see what's going on in Gaza is, Um, And it says like your enemies have mobilized their forces against you So fear them, those who warned And the warning was only made them grow stronger in faith And they replied So my dad told me to repeat that And this is what we see the people in Ghassa saying over and over again of, and I remember that this instance, and like, I hate to even compare myself to the people of Gaza because their iman, wallahi, is a level that we can never touch. But what they teach is like resilience and courage. And in these moments, how you're expected to respond. So in that moment, my dad reminded me, like they're saying, losing their kids, losing their family, losing entire homes, going through things that we could never imagine, what they reply is hasbunallahu wa ni'mal And That all of this, is meant to instill fear in isolation in our hearts, and we know that Allah subhanahu wa taala is sufficient for us. So as long as we have Allah subhanahu wa taala with us, wallahi, there's like nothing to fear. So I think that's what like went. That was my first response of this devastation, this feeling of defeat. But knowing that like we are never defeated, Wallahi, as long as we have Allah subhanahu wa taala, as long as we are on this path, we are the victorious ones. That I was already victorious in that moment. And it was just a matter of like carrying up that banner for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and keep going and like taking it day by day.
0: Subhanallah. Yeah. I mean, just to, to, to go through that motion, it's like you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like I said before, Allah worked. We don't understand Allah's plan. Allah knows his plan, right? You grew up and you worked towards this goal, but you also worked towards fighting for the, for the truth, standing against oppression. And it all culminated at this moment of, okay, here's the job. Do you rescind everything you did and you get to get this job? You get to get the money, you get the prestige, perhaps everything. Or do you stay on your morals and go back? And which one? You know, it's like, subhanAllah, just in that moment, you know, mm-hmm. of just having to defend yourself, you know, I can only imagine the pressure, the confusion and the anxiety of just like, all right, like my job is monday like it starts tomorrow like i went to school for this all these years like and mm-hmm. everything's just like that but you know barakallah your father reminded you uh, you know mashallah of that ayat you know that you know it's allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone we depend on you know for everything and allah is our strength allah is our everything you know so with that like you said like our brothers and sisters in khazza say right like you can't destroy us right mm-hmm. allah can't be destroyed so you can never destroy us you know so after that happens, you went through uh, uh, trying to help remobilize to prepare everybody. Because October seventh, like you said, well, like when you said that, I thought about it myself. When I thought about it, I was like, Subhanallah, what's about to come? Subhanallah, mm-hmm. what's about to come? Like we, we just knew everybody who you knew yeah. instantly. As soon as you heard it, you worried, right? So that happens. Then. You go to the off um, protest uh, on the twenty first, like you said. The protest happens thirty five to forty thousand people. Then you get the call. You go to the office. You meet them. Then you lose the job. Your father reminds you. So then, after when you realize you had to now take action to fight, what was that moment like? And what? How did you yeah. decide how to go about it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna. It was very difficult because I was processing again my entire life shifting. Um everything that I've worked for, everything that I like prepared for it has been gone, right? So I'm trying to focus on that, take next steps for that, but also realize what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala needed from me in this moment. And I think subhanAllah in this, in these chaotic times, we're so used to being very rea- reactionary. And I think that's what's needed, right? Emergency response. But I really needed to sit with myself and figure out what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala need from me? So I talked to like different people, right? I talked to organizers that I trust in the community, like shifts that I trust in the community, different people. Cause I think that's what we learn from our Sunnah, right? Mm-hmm. That it's not about like reacting all of a sudden, but taking time, like mm-hmm. seeking Nasiha and like seeking advice. Mm-hmm. So I talked to different people and I had two sides, right? I had people telling me that um, if you go public, if you fight back, this will impact your career long-term. Just know that like, this is really gonna be, a no turning back moment. And then other people like reminding me that Jinan, this is like not only about you, right? And this was the biggest thing for me of as much as it impacted me, wallahi, I knew this was not about myself. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me this opportunity to fight back in another way. That we, this again, this was not only happening to me, but dozens and hundreds of people across the US were facing the same thing. Mm. In fact, Palestine Legal reported to this day 1,000 reports of suppression, of people being doxxed, of people being fired, of people being censored for simply speaking out for Palestinian rights. So I thought, what can I do in this moment to set a precedent and to fight back again in this, in this fight? Because there are people all across the United States being, being fired, being censored. Mm-hmm. Um, so I strategized, I sat with it, I mobilized, and I decided that it was really my role right now to take this on, to fight back and pursue legal action. So um, I went public with my story. I spoke up. And wallahi, I have no regrets. And I say this in every media interview because truly it's important to point out that I have no regrets about being outspoken for Palestine and I will never regret being outspoken for Palestine. It's nothing compared to what the people of Gaza are going through. So I don't like to like... It's weird. Like I'm not I'm not any type of hero or anything like that. Like I simply did what was... Me- was called for me in this moment so I knew that I needed to speak out and fight back and set a precedent that we cannot be no longer picked out one by one that our community will will no longer be passive to such attacks that every law firm every employer that punishes our people for speaking out for Palestinian rights and discriminates against us for our background for our identity because this is not just a political opinion right this is something that's tied to our identity Mm-hmm. That any, t- any law firm or organization that punishes us for speaking out, we will set a precedent and we will demand accountability. Mm-hmm. So that's why today I decided, again, after um, sitting with it and seeking advice mm-hmm. from different people, that it was important for me to not only speak out, but fight back and pursue legal action, which is what we're in the middle of right now, of le- pursuing legal action against Foley Laudner for discriminating against me and firing me for speaking out for Palestinian
0: rights. Subhanallah inshallah khair you know you brought up something that was very interesting you know about the suppression you know you alongside I, I believe it was a brother i think i seen it on the uh what's the brother name Khalid Beydoun's uh instagram page it was, i think he was a student at NYU i think was he law or was he medicine one of the two but he, he was lost law his i name.
1: think yeah
0: he was law right he lost his he lost something but he, he same similar situation to yours right he got put out of school i believe for speaking out uh, uh as well as was another student at nyu i don't believe she was muslim but i think she was supporting yeah, oh yeah, okay yeah. so you're familiar with the story right yeah Reina, so she lo- i
1: actually just uh yeah i had a call with her like a few days ago <laughs> Oh mashallah. do you know a yeah. little bit can
0: you explain a little bit about her situation
1: yeah, yeah. So her situation, she was actually the president of the um, NYU Student Gov- student Bar Association. So that's kind of like the student government for law schools. Mm-hmm. And um, when everything happened uh, that first week, she stood alongside Palestinian rights um, and spoke out for Palestinian rights. Right. Mm-hmm. And she immediately got her offer rescinded also from her law firm. And she actually I was on a podcast with her a couple uh, a week ago wow. and we we're talking about sharing our stories um, and she actually found out that her offer was rescinded from social media. So they didn't even wow. like care to contact her. And that just shows how, even in those first couple of weeks, how aggressive that like censorship was. And something I think it's important to point out, mm-hmm. I've received dozens of messages since I've gone public with my story of people being fired, of people having their offer rescinded. I have been in the organizing space for eight years, and I have never seen a type of repression we are seeing in the past couple of weeks. Yeah. And this is not, I want to point out, uh, this—my sharing my story is not to instill fear in anybody, but to instill strength and power. This, like, increase in censorship, this, like, unprecedented, like, aggressive fighting back that we're seeing uh, from, like, law firms and employers is not a result of, like, uh, strength it's really a result of their weakness that the zionist regime has lost a control of the narrative mm-hmm. that all of this like these cases are really truly a symbol of the fact that they're lost control of the narrative so they've kind of like upped up their uh amped their aggressiveness towards this generation of people that are speaking up because they know that they, this is a losing battle for them even yeah. in a, i think there was a leaked anti um there's a leaked, I think, recording from the Anti-Defamation League director, Jonathan Greenbolt that said, we have a major generational problem, right?
0: He said, we
1: have a major generational problem that in all the polling he's seen, that support for Palestinian rights is not limited to a certain background or identity or like area or field. It's really an entire generation that has woken up for Palestine. So something that me and Rena were talking about of this intense suppression that we've experience and many other others have experienced is because it's really a result of our power that this generation inshallah ya rab will like free and liberate Palestine and they are very afraid of that so they've increased their aggression and and we will also increase our outspokenness as a result
0: you know it, it, i was just talking to the last two guests about the same thing uh ustada hussain mujaddidi and dr uh, hatem Bazian. you know It's very interesting because I thought about this. I was like, subhanAllah, you know, it was, I think it was some post that TikTok put out that it's not the algorithm. People, the teens or the youth are just pro-Palestine, right? And what it made me think about was like, subhanAllah, like a lot of the youth or they, they, they see what's going on in Palestine, right? Because of social media. Now you see it firsthand. So you see, but then also, what do you realize? You realize that the, um... Uh, it's parallels right you can go all the way back to the first case of you could say in our lifetime of like uh, a, a crime that really made youth of youth upset was the Trayvon Martin case right from mm-hmm. Trayvon Martin all the way down to the riots of George Floyd people seeing those same parallels with Thanks the way that me. people in Palestine were being treated the way they were being misbehaved or the they, they were being abused murdered live right And then on top of that, you know, I seen a funny TikTok, right? I'm referring to a lot of TikToks, right? But I seen a funny TikTok (laughs) about how someone, they were like, you know, how did I choose to side with the Palestinians? They said, well, first of all, the other side gets to broadcast their narrative and what happens. He's like, well, I thought about the people here. We would never get a chance to do that. So, okay, that's strike one. And then he just went through a list of things, but it was like, subhanAllah, that's true, right? Like the narrative, and Dr. Hatem brought this up, like- the oppressors will never give the narrative of our narrative they'll give their narrative for us like hey yeah uh uh uh, janan don't say that this is what you'll say right do you support hamas right not oh why do you support the palestinian cause for liberation why why do the muslims support this what does islam say about this right it's always okay hey why do you do this? And it's very backside questions. You know, it brings up another point. I was thinking about. I'm, I've just brought up the tweet. Are you familiar with Bill was Ackman or Aikman, the billionaire?
1: I think so. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So he he's uh had this tweet where he said, I've asked the number of CEOs if Harvard would release a list of each of the mm-hmm. members of the Harvard yes, organizations that have issued yeah the letter for basically assigning sole responsibility on Hamas. Uh, heinous actions to heinous acts to israel so that we ensure none of us inadvertently hire any of those members right basically saying any of those youth who <laughs> yeah. supported Palestine or spoke out against israel like how do we you know how do how do so what would you say to people who they're in the fear of this and how to navigate like you know hey i'm afraid i'll yeah. lose my job i want to support the cause but i you know come on you know yeah what would yeah, you say to somebody like that?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's a really important question. Something that I've been receiving. Um, I think first of all, it's important to point out the time that we're in, and I think, yeah, I think I. I it's very difficult to where to start with this because, well, like, I think we just need to realize again the time that we're in. So, yeah. sorry, let me collect my thoughts for a second because there's a lot I want to answer for this question.
0: Ooh, <laughs> Because I know other but, things I think about is like Canary Mission, like those sites and these yeah. different things to like make you look bad, right, and try to hurt you long term. Because you know, like you said, you also look at the times, you look at the environment, and our enemies do control the environment. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great question. I think first, I think you brought up like Eichmann's tweet, and I think it's a very interesting example of the suppression that we're facing. Uh, and that like an, a, a millionaire, billionaire is literally like picking fights with a student. Like it's an insane like world that we're living in of these these so powerful people that are extremely threatened by a student. Right. A student that's like organizing a Palestine 101 or a protest on campus or tweeting free Palestine. So why is that? Right. First, you have to think about a why. What is the point of of all of this doxing and, um, and censorship it's to instill fear, right? To instill isolation. Because this generation, Wallahi, is making connections that, that that instills fear in their hearts. Like what you mentioned about like people from all demographics and background. The fact that we're making connections between the black panther party the black movement here in the u.s to like what's happening in, in the arab world to what's happening in the congo to what's happening in all regions of the world to what's happening in mexico we're able to connect all these dots and create a unified front for all these causes this is honestly their worst fear mm-hmm. so for the fact that we're able to make these connections at such a critical moment is exa- again exactly why this repression is so aggressive and severe because we are literally at the cusp of such a critical point, point, a point. Sorry, and we are meeting the moment where it needs to be. So, what I would say to students in this moment is: first, know again what is the point of this doxing and isolation, a uh, doxing and censorship, instills fear and isolation. Mm-hmm. First, when it comes to the fear part, we know that like them instilling fear in your heart is entirely backward and um, doesn't even make sense because you are not isolated or alone. That support for Palestine, again, is not limited to a certain background and identity. It is an entire generation of people. And that majority support of of really our generation in the U.S. is for Palestine. Uh, Although mainstream media likes to twist it as much as it wants, even mainstream media is catching on, right, that what's going on in Palestine is a liberation cause. It is a cause for everyone. And they may be they may be able to silence one or two of us, but they cannot silence the thousands and millions of those across the US that have been brave enough to speak for Palestinian liberation. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling scared, if you're feeling alone, know that first of you have an entire army at your back. Since I came out public with my story, the support and love that I've received is, again, reflective of the fact that we are not alone. Alhamdulillah, we have an entire ummah, but more than that, we have an entire, really like army at our backs that's ready to stand up for us. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, why they're being so aggressive. So first, yes, you are not alone. You have an army at your back. And second, there is a way to be strategic about how you speak up for Palestine. Not everything will get you fired or Mm doxxed. I was fired because I was, again, in one of the most prominent positions, and I was in a bunch of leadership positions Mm -hmm. in, in Chicago. So there is a way to speak up for Palestine and mm-hmm. the support for Palestine is becoming more mainstream. Mm-hmm. The last thing I would like to mention in uh, for this question, and I think, again, it's important to realize the time that we're in mm-hmm. and that, wallahi, we are in such a pivotal moment that we cannot afford to remain passive about our condition. That every morning, I think it's not just only me, but every morning we wake up and we hear the laughs of Reem Ruhi Ruhi we hear the screams of our people and our mothers that are digging their children out from under the rubble. Mm-hmm. We are in one of the most, the worst genocides in our modern day history. Mm-hmm. The stakes are far too high for us to be quiet in these moments and to be silent in these moments. And I know everybody has their own financial, like, financial situation that, ha- that are relying on their jobs. But wallahi, believe me, when I tell you that I was relying on this job... In ways that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can know. Um, but that this moment requires something much greater than us. That just in the way that most of us were raised to... You know, we were raised about stories from 1948. We were raised in about stories from 1967 and all these pivotal moments in history. Mm-hmm. That now 2023 will be etched into the history books. And it will be asked like what we did in 2023. Not only by our children but wallahi we will be asked what we did in this moment by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we will be asked on the day of judgment what we did in this moment by rimiruhirruh by rif'at al arir by the 20,000 Palestinians that have been killed in Gaza in the last two months alone so I just hope that wherever somebody is right now this is not meant to shame you but this is meant to just call us all in right are we going to have an answer for them are we going to lower our heads in shame? Or are we going to give them a clear answer and hold our heads high? And I think the last, last thing I would say for this question is that for our audience, wallahi, I come to you like simply as a community member. Um, again, I was raised in little Palestine, Raju. I was raised in the mass community. I was raised in universal school since I was three years old. Like, and so, and this is something I was talking about with my friend of my parents put me in all these programs, right? Saturday school, Sunday school, mass usrat, like mm-hmm. universal school to exactly prepare us for these moments. the All the halaqas, all the usras, all the books we read from Malcolm X to about the Black Panthers to about the different civil rights movements here and even in our homelands. Like it's exactly prepared us for this moment that this time requires something much stronger from us as a time for us not to cower or to collapse, that all the seeds that we have planted within ourselves, within our community, from SJPs planting seeds in their community, from the Palestine 101s, to the, you know, the ayat that we memorized from the Quran and the tafsir, this is really the time to harvest all of that knowledge and to really meet the moment. It's when you feel like the whole world is against you, to rise up and to not be intimidated because we know that we have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala behind us. We know that we have ar razaq. There are moments in history that we prepare for and these are our this this is this moment really. This is our moment and inshallah ya rabb we will get through it together. It's very difficult inshallah. to navigate but we will get through it together as a community inshallah.
0: Inshallah, you know, before we uh wrap things, you know. You see we see with the the genocide that's happening, you see that Israel now is trying to spread things to Lubnan, right? Yeah. So your parts of where you, your family is from. Have you, um, has, has your family from back home reached out to you guys, told you guys any news about that or anything of that nature?
1: Yeah. I mean, my family constantly hears like, in Libnan the war planes over, and that's just a reality that they have to deal with even before the siege on Gaza, right? Anytime there's something in Palestine, we forget that Lebanon and the entire Sham, it's very close, right? Something that happens in Palestine affects the entire Sham. So even in Lebanon right now, the entire southern Lebanon has been destroyed uh, from Israeli rockets. There are over 60,000 people that have been displaced in Lebanon that are are fleeing north, right? Mm -hmm. And my family is very close to that area. So I think... And again, I don't like to focus, like, so much about um, this area's, in, like, because what I want to people to realize that it's not just about, oh, if you have family that's directly affected, then you get involved with the cause, but no, like, we as a community, what the Prophet ﷺ taught us, again, it's a very fa- famous hadith of when a limb is impacted, the entire body responds with fever. Um, so how are we practicing this as an ummah now? And subhanAllah, we are, we are seeing that what's happening in Palestine, wallahi, has impacted us all day today. Like me and my friends in our community, we have not been able to, to eat properly, to sleep property, properly since October 7th that we have been with them every hour of what's happening in Gaza. But what we have to realize is that we're all calling for a ceasefire. But what it means to be part of this Ummah, to have family impacted, but even not to have family impacted, is that we will be with the people of Gaza, be with the people of Palestine, the people of Lebanon, far beyond the ceasefire, right? And that if we think what's happening right now is devastating, well, it'll be even worse when a ceasefire is called and when media moves on. That Gaza will still be an open air prison. Mm-hmm. That people will still be left with the devastation and repercussions of the last two months. Two months, and that twenty thousand children have now become orphaned. Mm-hmm. So, being an ummah means that we will be with them far beyond when the headlines fade. When we, people move on, we will still be with them day to day. And that we did not. This is our like. We did not expect this to be a headline, but mm-hmm. we took this as our struggle as well and that we are fighting back and responding as an ummah, as a coordinated front for the people of Palestine. Uh,
0: Sister Jinnah, may Allah bless you. Um, Thank you very much for uh, Mm -hmm. coming here and sharing your story, you know, mashallah. It's just very, it just, I'm happy people get to hear this story because it shows you the other side of the activism, the the side that many of us didn't see for Malcolm X, many of us didn't see for uh, uh, the other countless great people who have been activists, Muslim, non-Muslim, just in general, the struggles that come with it, the pain that comes with it, the loss that comes with it, a lot of loss, right? A lot of loss. And, you know, if you guys, from listening to this podcast, what you can see is when you commit to something, it's not just something that's, that's, that's very deep, something that's core to you, something that's very important. It's not something to where... It's uh, today, and then you give up tomorrow. No, it's a, it's a lifetime thing until that change happens, and even then, it's mm-hmm. still commitment to it to making sure that it's maintained, right? And we see in the case of Sister Janine that sometimes you have to make those tough choices of do you choose your morals or do you choose what benefits you right now, right? And it's not always a clear cut of what's right, what's wrong, but at the end of the day, choosing what is greater than yourself and choosing what will please your Lord. And what is following in the footsteps of the Prophet sallallahu is what's best, mm-hmm. right? And that's something that we always have to keep in mind. I mean, if we look at the stories of the the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, I mean, Medina is a city, but he wasn't born there, right? Exactly. We look at the mujahiri, uh, uh, uh the Muhajirs, right? Like they 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 migrated, right? Like the calendar of the Muslims is called the Hijri. Why? Because it was people who migrated for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa taala. There were people who were fighting against the system, people who were fighting for change, but they all lost their homelands. They had to give it up, right? Exactly. You know, my sheikh was just telling me about this. Uh, is it is it a hadith? I believe it's a hadith. Um, where whoever gives up something for the sake of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will replace it with something better, right? Exactly. Yeah. So this is what happened in the case with uh, our sister jinan right? She gave it up. Inshallah, 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 inshallah Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will grant you something better than what you lost, Sister jinan.
1: Um, for
0: yeah, and, and you know like you said when the ummah is sick it's like the whole body I mean when one side is affected it's like the whole body is sick and we see that like these are some of the other sides of the repercussions of what's happening to our brothers and sisters in Gaza right like our sister and our brothers are crowned the country they're losing their jobs they're affected also what The social media aspect, we wake up and we see this, right? You have to like see this. And sometimes you even question yourself, should you be happy? Should you enjoy? Should you do these things? Because it's like, how can you when you see this and you know somebody else, your brother, your sister in Islam is, they're going through this, right? So these are just things to keep in mind. But we pray that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps us guided and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants us ease. To, to our brothers and sisters in Palestine, our brothers and sisters around the world, our brothers and sisters here. And we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows this generation and those who come after us to bring about change. You know, the last thing I'll say, I remember I seen earlier this morning a post by uh, Sami, uh, is it Sami Hamdi? Sami Hamdi. Mm. And the post, he was talking about how this cause is greater than us, right? Right. And how he yeah. mentioned, I believe it's a hadith of the Prophet, wa he was talking about Surah Hud had gave him gray hair, right? <laughs> because, and Sami Hamdi was talking about how in that Surah, that Surah is about all the Anbiya who in their lifetime, they didn't see change, right? Like Hud, alayhi salam, he didn't see the change. Or uh, I believe Prophet Saleh, all these people, they didn't see the change in their time. Or the Ashab al Kaf, right? Even though they're not mentioned in that Surah, they're mentioned in Surah Kaf, but yes, they didn't so see change right. in their lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. They just decided, let me just go and see what happens. None of these yeah. people did, but change eventually end up coming. So we have to be prepared to plant these seeds and then see what happens after. I mean, if we were to bring back the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the companions and say, hey, it's over 2 billion Muslims, beside the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the companions would just say, SubhanAllah, probably, right? they would probably just yeah. be in awe that this many people, but they would believe it because they know it's the truth, right? So- yeah. Before we get off, Sister Janan, this is something I like to do. Once again, Barakallahu Afika. Um, <laughs>
1: please
0: share, um, let me, wait, to so set the intention, you know. Please share your favorite, something from the, I had from the Quran, uh, a sunnah or a hadith, something that people can take up, that me and you can collect ajah from after this interview is gone.
1: Yeah, oh my God, that's such a good question. I think I'll just share one of my favorite um, ayats (laughs) in the Quran, even though it's hard to choose, but it's from Surah Al-Raad and it's describing when you enter Jannah and how the angels will say salamun alaykum bima sabatun," right, peace be upon to you for what you have endured, and I know it's not like as um, relevant to like now, but I think we're so entrenched in like devastation and pain and everything happening in the world and it feels hopeless at times, but Just remembering that, like, there will be, inshallah, ya Rabb, a time where the angels will welcome us and say, salamun alaykum bima sabatum. Like, peace be upon to you for what you have endured. And that everything that we are enduring, everything that we are fighting for, and again, we might not see the fruits of our our efforts now, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is documenting all of it and all that patience, all that sabr that we are going through as for years, inshallah, as we continue this fight, it is all being documented and we will enter into, like, the most peaceful of places with the angels welcoming us into peace inshallah
0: inshallah you know it's very interesting uh, that's the same along the same lines that's what uh, uh the brother Sami Hamdi mentioned uh, about uh uh how even though think about the akhirah like you said jazakallah khair you know that he mentioned the ending of surah fajr right like mm. you know that will be greeted with that greeting of uh, 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 uh what's the ending of surah fajr fi mm. jannati right like will be greeted yeah. that you know, into the paradise, right? And the same thing, like you're saying, we shouldn't, it's greater than us. It's greater than now because this life, of course, is just the test. The next life is the actual life. So brothers and sisters, you guys, thank you for listening. Thank you again to our sister, uh, Jinan. Please, Mass Igna Convention. What is it? What's today? The 21st? Seven days from now to 28th, but it's also the pre-knowledge retreat, which I think is that Tuesday, yeah, it would always be that Tuesday, t- Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah. Please, you guys come out, Mass I'll be there. Inshallah, we can all meet. You can see me. I'm not that. In- I'm just a regular guy. So, stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe you'll see the other guests. You know what I mean? Sister Jinan and the other wonderful no, people. No, I'm just a regular had,
1: you know girl I mean?
0: too. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Inshallah. Um, but it'll definitely be a great time for you, uh, you guys to check out. The one thing I love about it is just being around the Muslimin. Um, it's yeah, always exactly. a wonderful time to be there. It's the inshallah. closest I get to feeling like I live in a Muslim country in America. You know, <laughs> you need
1: to move to Chicago.
0: <laughs> I used to live in Michigan, actually, in Detroit and Oh Warner, no way! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. The so second I, I to... uh, Indianapolis is getting up there too, though. Inshallah, you know. Mashallah.
1: Inshallah. yes.
0: But this is the remaster podcast. It's your brother Abdullah Freeman. Mm-hmm. I will see you guys later. Inshallah. As-salamu alaykum wa warahmatullah. Wa wa
1: inshallah. As-salamu alaykum.